Hey, Scott. What's up, buddy? How you doing? <laughs> doing all right. Doing all right. <laughs> um, I just want to say I'm really stoked that we actually are doing this. I've, it's been in my mind for us to like sit down and have a conversation for a while now. Like we are always kind of coming and going, where it's like fist bumping, saying what's up. Yeah. But uh, I've always just kind of want to like just sit down with you and, and have a convo and and talk to you about your your life a little bit sure. and, and your endeavors now and in, in the future. Yeah. Um, so I guess go ahead and just let everybody know a little bit about you, like what you like, who you are, and sure. so on. First, the studio's awesome. You know, it really is kind of cool. Thank you know, the you. paintings, the way you kind of put everything together. I think it's totally, uh, it's solid, you know. So it's a really nice and unique to be here. So thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. But yeah, Scott Weiss, uh, by trade, I'm a physical therapist. You know, been studying, feel like I was in school forever, you know. But that's how I, you know, make a living as a PT. Of course, throughout my years, I've dabbled in so many other things here and there. But yeah, I, I pretty much like to say my, my first identity is really in the medical world or you know, in sports medicine and physical therapy because that's really my mainstay. Right. Yeah. Right. So is that like basically your daily practice now is you have offices in and around New York? Yeah. Other places around the globe, no? No, no, not around the globe. That's another company. Well, I'm sure I'll you know, get into that. But okay. BodyZone uh, Physical Therapy or BodyZone Health and Wellness and Arista are two companies that we started kind of at the beginning of the new millennium, about 2000. Yep. And then from there, those two companies started in Long Island, one of them, and then we moved into Manhattan and then grew you know, over two decades in Manhattan. Um, from there, we expanded into Queens. So, you know, Queens is really the other place besides Manhattan proper or New York City where we have locations. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. But COVID threw us for a loop, you know. We used to have managed five, and now we're really down to three. So yeah. it's been a little bit of a, a hurdle. Yeah. But still going back and forth into Manhattan in the city uh, and really making sure we're maintaining everything there at both practices. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I mean, no one's gotten away clean from this thing. No, no. And people don't want to come in, you know, for, for therapy unless you really had... Uh, you know, surgery, you know, m many people are coming in for maintenance or exercise. You see people are always outside and with all the mandates in Manhattan, gyms not being open, clinics having less people in them. It's just made it right. very tough for us. So sure. uh, we're just surfing the wave and really just hope things get back to normal in, in the Big Apple soon. Yeah, no, you I know. know. And I've, I've talked to so many different people um, that have been affected in so many different facets. I mean, uh, I was talking to a jewelry designer that was open. He was he's in business for 50 years. And I uh, just had to close up shop and, you know, selling his home and selling his business and getting all of his inventory put together. And it's just, it's been a big thing. So I feel very fortunate to even be still trucking along in this moment. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I hear you. We've had to restructure everything that we do in our daily practices and how we do things as well. So, yeah, it's been a tough, a tough moment for everyone. Um, how you been getting through it otherwise? I mean, how are you? And like, obviously, we hit quarantine, yeah, right. And uh, I don't think the rest of the country all felt quarantine like we did, or <clears throat> and and other places as well. But we were straight up locked down for a sec. Like, yeah, there was nothing going down. I agree. In that period of time, it was really just hunker down and take a look at the landscape and see what's really going on. So I think I was doing what most people would want to do was kind of just before you make any action, see what's really going down. And then kind of wait till the wave moves and then kind of surf it as you as you move. But it, either way, it, it was, you know, it was tough, you know, yeah. no doubt about it. And uh, lost my train of thought for a sec. I was going to tell you like five different things at the same time. <laughs> no, I mean, I feel that I'm the same way. Squirrel. 
Um, yeah, but we had to pivot. That's really what it came down to is if you don't in this day and age know how to pivot when things come, it's like the water hits the rock. You got to go around both ways. You're yeah. not going to go through it all the time. Yeah. And we really just tried to pivot and you know really followed as much of what we can do and what we saw other medical practices doing and with our sneeze shields up and you know all the PPE regularly and you know making sure that we have medical grade cleaning and spraying throughout the t- you know the day at the beginning of the day and just really doing whatever we could to pivot opened up um, you know a telehealth portion of our company so that was very big to do and right. you know at the beginning nobody was going anywhere so that was the only thing that we were doing and it took a while for some insurance companies to really reimburse us similarly to what somebody would have face-to-face. Right, yeah. So that was a, a little bit of a hurdle as well, you know, but it's a pivot. I think that that's really, to answer your question, it's you got to pivot in times like this. Yeah, and I, I think that <clears throat> obviously one of the reasons I want to talk to you because I want to talk about, um, you know, what people can be doing to better themselves during COVID. Sure. Um, I think that's a huge lack in what's going on in our society right now of what the focal point is, is how can we be better for ourselves? Um, but I think even just hearing this story and hearing that just even from you about pivoting in life and being fluid is, is vital information for all of us. Um, and that's been like a huge lesson for me in this moment, the same, because as much as I'm like counting my blessings and looking at things differently and trying to see the silver linings in this life that we know as of now, um, there's so many lessons here beyond just like exercise, let's say, you know, and being healthy and taking your supplements and drinking water and so on. Um, and I think this time is giving people the quiet time to look at themselves and really, sure. what do you want to do? Yeah. You know, where are you at right now? Yeah. You know, I have a lot of friends that are in, you know, their fifth decade of life and they want to start to turn it on again. Yeah. They want to challenge themselves one more time. Let me see what I can do. For sure. I have other people and other friends that are like, hey, I'm done with this now yeah. and I want to sit back. And other people that are just still hustling with side hustle. So it really depends on the person. But I think... In this day and age, if you don't know how to move around that rock, you're going to have a rough day. Yeah, for sure. You know? No, yeah. I, I think that I think the same. Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to just go back a little bit. Anything. Like, um, kind of just getting back into what brought you to where you are. Like, how did you end up in the ha- into the Hamptons? I know you have a martial arts background, mm-hmm. and I'm really interested in that. Sure. I think um, for all aspects, obviously the physicality, but also I think the mental aspect is probably set you up into why your mindset is what it is? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I always say if it wasn't for the martial arts, I don't know who you know I would be. Right. I think that was the foundation of developing the discipline to be able to do whatever you want to put your mind to. Totally. That's really where it comes from. So I don't know where I would be if I didn't have that. Totally. You know, and so, I dabbled a couple times in different arts. Yeah. So how old were you when you first got into martial arts? I was first introduced to, uh, I think, a judo class at like a local rec center when I was really young. Didn't even understand what judo was. I just saw everybody running around like pajamas, you know, yeah. basically. <laughs> um, and I, it was just interesting. I was watching people kind of flip around and I was always into um, acrobatics and movement and I always had something natural that I loved doing and it was just similar. So I just stuck around it for a little while. And then for whatever reason, I think of geographical issues, I, I couldn't stick it out at that time I think we might have moved also from where I was born and then from there I I ended up like really just finding an art sticking with it for many many years you know and that was my foundation art called Tang Sudo okay but you know that was all before business but that really set the foundation like I said to to really just put your mind to anything for sure yeah you know I see I see that being prevalent in most people that I know that are engaging in any sort of thing that's like a martial art 
for me, I come from a slightly different background, but I did engage in some sort of martial arts as a, as a young kid. You mentioned, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but never took it fully serious. I mean, the, my biggest passion was, was motocross when I was younger, so right. that was what I lived and breathed and scribbled on paper about. That was, like, all I cared about. Um, and I feel like martial arts becomes the same thing for people sometimes. Yeah. Um, and it's not the vehicle. I always tell people it's not the vehicle. Just as long as you really want to develop yourself in world-class anything. Yep. I don't care if you do nails. You know what I mean? Just be the world-class nail person. You know totally. what I mean? And that's really respecting yourself. Yeah. So to me, it's, just, it's, it's attractive seeing somebody with whatever they're doing, whatever the field is, really just excelling at it For sure. and loving it. And, yep. and that's what I think people love when people watch other people work. It's like they can see the love that somebody has for it, which is a treat. Yeah. And so did you develop a love for your martial art? And I believe yeah. you talked briefly you were pursuing to go to the Olympics. Yeah, I almost made the Seoul team in 88, um, but lost at the Olympic trials along the way. That was a long story. I mean, I remember being at the Nationals and, you know, really losing. I think it was my second fight, and uh, I... No excuse, you know, just you're cold. It was quick. It went fast. Um, and I remember just driving home crying, yeah. being like, holy shit, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to... Like, it was a, a goal-ending moment. But there we go, pivot. How the fuck can I get to the Olympics? Maybe if I can't go through the front door as an athlete, maybe I could stick with something parallel and get there through the side door one day. Right. And luckily, through my profession, I was able to be at the Olympics three times, walking in, opening ceremonies, waving to everybody oh, in Greece and China and no. in, in England. So I'm really thankful and fortunate that, you know, again, I kept I kept the same discipline yeah. I knew what I kind of really wanted to do and I said I'm just gonna get there somehow you know and that's really kind of that path you know I mean that's that's pretty inspiring and that must have been some pretty high energy uh, life being in those stadiums I mean walk opening ceremonies can't get better than that I think anybody that experiences that height of anything you yeah. chase it the rest of your life for sure in anything you do you know and it's very hard to attain that again yeah you know what i mean you're around everybody that's the best in the world totally what a treat you yeah. know what i mean and from the coaches to meteorologists to the athletes and everybody's there with one amazing goal you know what i mean really to try to be for a small period of time the best in the world yeah and that was always attractive to me you know yeah i i feel the same yeah yeah i, I had a similar pursuit and uh so I, I respect that. I respect that, you know, humans going to be the best that they possibly can. And I've had a lot of conversations about this because people have always asked me about competition yeah. and and what competition means. And, and I guess ultimately it wasn't always about the competition, even in racing. It was, there was such a huge camaraderie to it. <clears throat> there was a big respect that everyone was putting their life on the line. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, that was like what was more appealing. That's what I missed the most once I kind of, fell away from the sport a little bit and started pursuing other things is that camaraderie of everybody coming together and understanding what was actually going on. Interesting. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, so I can relate to that. I could see that in cycling, but I guess in the martial art world or the fighting world, it's all about psyching the, tr the person out first. Yeah. Then you become brothers later. Yeah. But at the beginning, it's, you know... A psychological warfare right in, in essence and then when you struggle through the fight with somebody that's when you can hug them for you know sure. and I find like it's it takes a couple of steps for the fighter where it might be a little quicker for other sports you yeah. know the camaraderie you know I see skiers yeah there's competitiveness but there's initial that camaraderie there's like initially 
there there's a togetherness right away with yeah. fighters no you know they want to be by themselves and you know you don't want to see anyone see any part of you and it's just a different facade i think I, th- I think you're right with that. I mean, the, the difference is, is you're trying to hurt each other. Yeah. You know, you're, you're trying to physically, you know, take the other person down and, and out. Um, moto is similar. I mean, it's very, there is a, like, a lot of psychological warfare beforehand. I mean, just down to just every aspect that you can even think of. I mean, I, yeah. you, see, you see someone's like f- just fresh set up and bike. And if you're like a small town kid and you come and you see that person, you're like, wow, this guy's like a legit pro and yeah. I'm supposed to go race against this dude now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there is a lot of like psychological warfare to where you're psyching yourself out yeah. mostly. Right. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I just wanted to touch on that. You, you had that martial arts background and I think that shaped, as far as I know of you, a, a big part of you. Yeah. And, and uh, I kind of want to just highlight that for a second because I think it's super important. Um, and it was the philosophy too. Don't get me wrong; it wasn't yeah. the warfare and the right, psychological yeah. and the fighting and kicking and punching. It was really the art that was fascinating totally. and the the evolution of the art, you know, and where it came from. Why China has this version of fighting? Why right. India does it this way? Why the Japanese developed that way? You know, in Korea they love kicks. Kicks are their base, you know, their mainstay. Why? But well, when people would attack them with horses, they had to jump up high and they were wearing armor. So they had to like be able to kick the head so the head would snap. So they would develop higher kicks and jump right. kicks to kick people off of horses. So just that was fascinating to me. And then the understanding of Eastern philosophy from the Tao and Buddhism intermixed with the art was just like, this is complete. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just like, go play baseball and school kid, hit a home run, you're done. I was finding myself researching and reading books on this stuff and taking it back to its common denominator. So, yeah, I was fascinated. I was hooked. I, I mean, I can imagine. Yeah. I can't even imagine kicking somebody out of their shoes at the moment. So I can't even... A, a horse? That's got to be... What's that? A 10-foot kick? I'm sure the sizes of the horses are different, but they developed jump kicks, and that was still, the idea. Still, yeah. I mean, I mean I've seen people do some of these jump kicks. I'm like, how are they even getting the hops to get yeah. this athletically up off the ground? It's really yeah. impressive. I mean, jumping from trees. You know, I mean, even when we were kids, we used to run and flip over trees. You know, yeah. like you like you run up a wall. And yeah. flip, you know, so it's like you would do anything. You know, in our youth, ninjutsu was very big. You know, me growing up, it was, you know, Ralph Macchio, the Karate Kid, and ninjas were great. And all those movies came out, you know. So everybody wanted to be able to combine, like, acrobatics and martial arts, you know. And they did that. And that's where the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles developed. Oh, that's where it came from. That's the origin. Yeah, I remember people asking me to try out for it because I was able to combine gymnastics and martial arts. So I could do round off, back handspring, back tuck, and then they'll throw a kick. Yeah. So it looked, you know, you put a uniform on that, a kid loves that at a party, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. Well, that's actually really relevant in my life because I actually had a Ninja Turtle party. So there, we, we could have met in another yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. We could have actually met before. That's so funny. We were so damn close. But it is the arts. I mean, the martial arts were really very, very important to me. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And it was the well-roundedness of, of it that really got me. Now, are you still training? Not as hard and not at a competitive level. And I kind of evolved over the years so yeah i do train and every once in a while i like to rip it apart doing fast stuff yeah but i I think you evolve over the years of martial arts and you go from kind of um so to say the dragon to the tiger you know you go from really or i should say you go from the tiger to the dragon you know meaning you're you're always wanting to jump and get your claws into something at a young age but then i feel like as you age it's more relaxation 
and I've been doing a lot of Qigong and internal martial arts. That is another world, which is beautiful, because I spent so much of my life doing external. Tell, tell me a little bit about yeah. Qigong, because I've, I've been hearing a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these things all kind of like oscillate, yeah. these like little things like yoga, breathwork. Of course. I've been hearing a lot of people talk about Qigong, so tell me just a little bit about that. Sure. It's, it's an ancient Chinese martial arts system for really helping your, your entire body, every organ of your body, um, to monitor your breathing, your breath, your stress level. And they developed a set of breathing techniques and movement techniques that imitate animals that kind of, so to say, integrate the breath movement, integrate your breath with your movement at the same time. And it's really incredibly fascinating what's developed. And of course, there's you know been tons of research behind it. So it's not an art that's just, uh, so to say, the run-of-the-mill newest thing that's out there right. or that just came out from somewhere else. This has been around, you know, for the dawn of time. Right. So we know that it's, you know, it's well-trusted. And there's been tons of research on it, you know, that it really helps and boosts your immune system. It helps your circular, your circulation, your cardiovascular system. It helps with stress and sleep, you know. So it's really a fascinating art. And a lot of what it comes down to is your internal intent. It's not about the movements and what they're doing. It's what's going on inside. What are you thinking about? Right. And, you know, they have colors involved with movements that relate to an organ, that relate to a time of the day. So it's very deep and it has a lot of stratigraphy to it, so to say. Right. And it's a fascinating internal martial art. And I, I could go on and on. I mean, we could do a podcast on just what Qigong is. But again, just to sum it up, it's an internal Chinese martial art that was developed for longevity and health. Now, is this part of your daily train? Like daily, yeah. Daily. Daily, yeah. Whether I walk, whether I talk, whether I move and clean my house, I'm thinking of the right movements. How, is my, am I holding my breath? Um, is my movement good for my body? How is my mechanics? Is my rhythm of my movement in rhythm with my breath? Because when you combine all that stuff, it's effortless. Right. And you can move throughout your day with ease. And you get a control of your day. You don't let the day get away from you. And Qigong has helped me to do that. You know, it was really kind of uh, calm my mind, organize things in a different way than I used to. Yeah, that, it, so it sounds like you're ultimately just engaging in ultimate consciousness. Yeah, so I, 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 really I did paying so attention. Yeah, I did so much external stuff, and now it's time to go internal, I feel. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you could always run, jump, kick, and punch, but I always found it hard to stay still. And when I found the style of Qigong called I Chuan, it's being as still as a mountain. And some of the exercises are staying in poses for 20 minutes. And, you know, each one means mind boxing. The stuff that comes up in your mind and trying to maintain a position is, is probably the hardest thing for anybody to do, to just be with your own thoughts and your own body talking to you. We, all we do is run around to ignore that stuff. Mm-hmm. And Qigong brings you inside. You know, it's like, wow, there is tension at my elbow. I got to do something about that. You're calm enough to to see what's going on in your body versus this and I gotta do this and shit, shit I'm late fuck up and you know that's just too much it's too much for the nervous system so Qigong kind of relaxes that and we call it like parasympathetic tone in the science world where it it just you lower your blood pressure you lower your heart rate you know the seals do it um, people in warfare when you're behind enemy lines with your gun you have to relax yourself and the same breath work that the military use the Buddhas use that and it's the same in Qigong interesting yeah yeah, it's um, that's interesting because I feel similar. Like I, maybe people are doing qigong and they don't even know it sometimes. Yeah, when they're just being aware. They are, you know, yeah. and and 
it might be interesting for people to actually follow a path of, of what that intent is. Mm -hmm. There's never been more of a time when people are so interested in actually bettering themselves and being aware of their actions and where they could be better and grow. And, and so I just feel like this is such interesting information for people to just, just to hear about and have like confirmation because for myself, I find it hard to sit still. You know, I'm, mm. I'm constantly having to fill space and time. But I appreciate peace more than anything. Yeah. Ever. At the, right now in this time, I've just, the one thing that I, I really appreciate is just having peace and having chill time. Um, so the, the, one of the things that I am being more aware of is that what we, what we can actually do with our intention, you know, and, and what I've like, I actually, now I have like some data to, mm -hmm. to analyze, you know, I'm 32 now and I, I, I actually have some information to go back and, and kind of analyze and what, yeah. this, what worked and what didn't work. Absolutely. And so I do find myself like before I would never really like understood when people would get panic attacks and panic attacks, I would never really understand what that meant. Hmm. And, um, but I've like been realizing lately, I've been kind of like holding my breath. I'm like, I'd be like doing something kind of just holding my breath. I'm like, yeah, mm. that's awareness right there. Yeah, that's and the just, beginning. And just take a breath. It just, yeah. you know, just take that moment. Yeah. So true. I, honestly, it's people would say that before and I would just think it was a, such a, a cliche thing to say. I know. But it really does make a big difference. You got a taste of it. That's yeah. why. Now you believe it. You know, For once sure. you get your own taste. I used to watch people meditating. I'm like, what the hell are they doing? Mm -hmm. Like, what are they doing? I just got to sit there like that. Yeah. What, what is it? Scott, what do you mean? You don't feel your chi? What do you mean I don't feel? What are you talking about? What is chi? Yeah. You know, like, what do you mean I don't feel it now at, at you know, almost 50? I was like, that's what I was feeling? Because right. I felt it. I just didn't know how to label it back in the day. You know, so now I'm I just, you know, when you learn something with your childhood mind and your adult mind, right. I think you could kind of snowball it and pack it better. Yeah. You know, but yeah, same thing. I was like, what are they doing? How do you do that? What is going on? But, yeah. But it, when you get that first taste that's it. It's like yeah. they used to say in the martial arts, you know, you do one technique right out of a thousand, that should give you the angst to want to keep on practicing and doing it over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, trying to become a master. Yeah. One good lick. All you need is one good taste <laughs> of the ice cream cone and you want the rest of it. That's you know? how we work. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. really what that's, it comes that's, down to. That's literally what we are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think uh, it's interesting. You're, you have kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Boy and girl. Yeah. yeah. Five and a half. Um, so that must be interesting being able to teach humans things and lessons. I know they're young, but I'm doing a lot of watching right now. You're, you know, you're yeah, I, I'm very big on let's watch, let's see where they go and what they want to do and develop. And then if something is out of my boundaries or line, then I might say something. Yeah, <clears throat> but more than anything, I like letting them go. Yeah. I think it's important to do that. You know, so I haven't really been able to teach lessons yet you know i think five and a half there's a lack of true cognition to understand like okay we're gonna go rock climbing this is how you make a knot mm. i'm not there yet you yeah. know this it's more like emotional connection you know at this point and watching the things that they like right you know and then fostering it you right, know yeah. wiffle ball daddy come on let's go play wiffle ball right now hey we just finished eating i want to play baseball right now you know you get it a quick instinct, I want to go do it at five and a half. I'm like, come on, let's go. Yeah, let's do so it. So I kind of like following what they're doing at this time. And that's, that's been fun. Yeah. You know, like watching the river flow. Yeah. You know, I feel like uh, if I was to ask them the same question, they may say the same thing. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I feel like they're so observant. You know, they really are. They're, they're they all really they're, they're watching, you know, and the, the kids nowadays, I swear they're so advanced. 
And it's it's really interesting. Like your kids are adorable, by the way. They're Thank so you. cute. When I saw them at the art show, they're just so funny. They're getting into everything. They're just being so silly. Yeah, um, that's their vocation, just to explore. Right? Yeah, you know? and they are. They're so curious, and but they do. They pick up on things. Yeah. you know, they really pick up on a lot. They do. Um, so it seems like we're teaching regardless. Even when we're not teaching, or yeah. we're even trying to teach, yep. we're all giving each other lessons regardless. I know. And that's what you got to be careful of, I think, with kids is they listen to more than you think, you know, and and people hear a lot of what you're saying even Mm -hmm. though you don't realize that. Right. I used to realize that in gyms, like when I was younger. You know, I would do personal training back in the day for somebody and then everybody else in the circle would be listening to me tell them about like a tricep move or something like that. That's when I realized, you know, it's like, People around your circle really listen to what you say and make judgments about that. And little kids, you don't have to be looking right at them. I could be talking to somebody else on the side, but they see daddy's interaction and they make their own judgments on what that really means. For sure. It's fascinating. It's a crazy process. It really is. Yeah, no, that's... I just feel like it's interesting because, I mean, I... uh, you know, I used to do some motocross instructions for some kids and, Mm. and just seeing them now as adults, I'm like... It's just so interesting, like some of the things that they did pick up on and, and people that I've known like when they were younger and seen them grow and, and like what their perspectives were on life beforehand. It's just it's such a interesting experience to like just talk to people and just as time goes on, um, realize what we did, what we really did do for people or what we didn't do for people. Right. Um, I don't know. I've been fascinated by that lately. Yeah, we're watching people develop. I mean, you know, I taught at, at Long Island University's uh, health and exercise program for about seven years. I mean, to see a student come in as like a freshman, you know, wet behind, dripping behind the ears, you know, and then they're doing their own dissertation and they're doing, you know, like a master's thesis on something fascinating that I have no clue about. And, you know, it's sometimes it's not how far you get, it's how far the people that come to you get. Right. That was a statement by Customato, a really famous boxing instructor. But he said something like that and I believe it, you know, it's really not how far you get, it's how far the people that come to you get. Right. You know, so yeah, watching people develop whether it's watching two kids grow up or watching somebody develop in a martial art, or I had the pleasure of watching Olympians flourish right. from losing and losing and losing to getting in on a winning streak and mm-hmm. then being the, then really winning a gold medal. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I could relate to that in two seconds. For sure. It's so attractive seeing that, you know, and envious. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about, you mentioned Cus and Custom Auto and um, you've written a book. Yeah, and yeah, I'm I think really I have it over here for you. You did. Yeah, I you gave you a, a copy. I might have even scribbled something in there for you. I would love yeah. if you would scribble something for me. Um, was he somebody that you were fascinated with? Yeah, and somebody that maybe um, shaped some of your life. I, I would say that part of it, yes. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot of philosophies over time from him. You know, back in the day when I was growing up, it was you know the people that really were influencers for me. I would say were Houdini. Because I have a very big fascination fascination with magic. Um, Please tell me you brought some magic today. Yeah, I figured I br- okay. brought something to show yes, you. Great. Houdini was really like somebody huge. Bruce Lee, you know, being in the martial arts, you know, I think you know, everybody knows how big Bruce Lee is. For sure. And in the day, back in the day, it was he was the, the pinnacle. And the other person was Cus, Customato. Those were three people that definitely shaped my life. But looking at all those three people, I remember there were tons of stuff. I mean, I spoke to a lot of the Lee family, um, his brother. I spoke to his wife, the daughter. And there's so much information out there. And I kind of... I kind of knew a lot already about Bruce. I studied him my, really my whole life, to right, be honest yeah. with you. You know, like really since I started the martial arts. So 
there was always stuff out there. I kind of had a good grip on him. He wrote a lot out there. He had a lot of uh, videos out there. Houdini the same way, you know, there were so many great books throughout my life that I, you know, that I found with Houdini about, you know, his escapes and his family life and his life with the CIA. I mean, really in-depth stuff, this really interesting guy. But Cuss also was fascinating to me, and there was nothing on him. Zero. Really? Nowhere. So it really was just almost like a no-brainer for me. I'm like, how could I, you know, all I have is clippings and articles here, and this is what this person said. I'm like, how could there that's be no... That's what you went off of. That's, yeah, I was like, how could there be no book on Cuss? Really? Cuss Diamato? So is this the first book on Cuss? This is the first book in the world on Cuss, Come dedicated on. to Cuss, yeah. How I, could that even be? That's... That, I mean... Tell me, that's... That, not to discredit at all, but that's amazing that you put that all together. I saw a lot of footprints on my journeys yeah. of research, but I don't think people followed through. And there you go with the discipline again. Yeah. You know, it's like there's there were I saw different footprints in, in the path that I walked, but they for whatever reason, you Didn't know, put it together. And yeah, like we say the universe has a very interesting way because I know that by doing that and having the first book, I'll be connected to it for the rest of my life, and that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, and that's I mean, the passion I have. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at this is a hefty book. Yeah, it's like a chemistry book. It's the yeah. most. Yeah, it took to, me, I just want to open it up. Yeah, it took me that. about a, a solid 9 years to put yeah. together. Okay, first of all. Yeah, about 9 years. I just just for you, those of you listening, I just opened the pages and it's very small print. It is not double spaced. No, there's not a picture in the thing. I don't. There think. is. Oh, I, there, I mean, I had there's a couple. A couple. There, yeah. Okay, but it is a very serious piece of literature that he's put together. It's a nice hardback. It looks beautiful. Um, when did you write this? So it came out in 2013, but I I would I started probably like I remember after Athens. So I maybe 2004 or five. I started really realizing that I was acquiring more stuff and more knowledge than anyone had in the world on him. Uh, I just, over time, amassed everything I had, and I needed to put it together somehow. And when I went to one of the Olympic Games, I met the same author that helped Michael Phelps and a couple other people write their book, and I ended up just hooking up with them and said, listen, I, you know, I'm a researcher. I did 79 interviews, almost 80 interviews. I've been researching this for close to a decade. I need to put this together, and I'm not a real writer, but I, this is what I've done so far. So they helped me edit it and tweak things and really spent a good couple of years with all of my research putting it together. Scott, you know, that this is better at the beginning. Let's put this yeah. at the end. And you know what? You know, let's reword this. And they really, really were solid. And I just, you know, that wasn't my forte, right. you know. So uh, with all everything dumping on their table, we just started writing and... It was amazing. You know, it was an amazing process to put together. The research was fascinating. Speaking to people in his family, speaking to mafia guys, old boxing trainers, really? um, coaches. I mean, just so many people. It was just a really fascinating uh, experience, you I'm know. Sure. You know, some people don't get a chance to understand their own character in life to be able to research somebody else's character and get a good taste of that. You know, I think I have a pretty good understanding of what this guy lived for and how he, you know, and how he died, too. Yeah. But, yeah, fascinating. And, you know, really what attracted me, too, is he developed a style for a shorter fighter. Every person I would line up with most of the time was always taller than me. Right. And he put together a style for a shorter fighter, right. which consisted of a lot of movement and a lot of head movement, a lot of angles. And once I started using bits and pieces of it, Myself, I was like, this is fascinating. How the hell did this guy do this? Then I started researching how he developed his whole fighting style. 
And that was a whole, you know, in-depth, you know, part of my research. And then I just put it all together. Right. And, you know, in 2013, it came out, and I entered it in, like, an, uh, you know, a couple of, you know, book awards. And one of them won Eric Hoffer Book Award. So I was kind of psyched about that, you know. like Definitely. And, you know, I'm like, holy shit. You know, now I'm like, you know, an award-winning author. You know, how did that happen? I feel like I sneezed, and that happened, yeah. you know. And yeah. now it sells in over 30 countries. That's yeah. Insane. Yeah, people from Japan are buying it and, um, you know, in the Middle East, believe it or not. And So does it get translated over? And Yeah, we have it translated in Russian, too. That's you know? insane. Yeah, so, I, you know, I'd like to do that more and more over time, but, you know, I'm really just happy to be a part of, of the whole movement, you know. And now, especially with Mike coming back yeah. to, you know, to fight Roy Jones, it's giving another little burst. You know, I just got somebody on Facebook today. He bought all the cost books that were out there. Really? So he, like, took a little picture of all of them, and mine was... Was one of them you know and that's really it that's what i wanted you know it's if i could open the dialogue up a little bit on somebody and really start a good conversation on somebody that was fascinating to me then then i'm psyched to be a part of that definitely you know? i mean just looking at the amount of literature that you put together that was no slouch of a situation i mean that's nine years easily worth of of info in that oh yeah just, just even for first glance oh yeah um i think for those that don't know who cuss was um i, we, we, I assume people do but uh Cuss was Tyson's yeah. Mike Tyson's. mentor and trainer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Know? And basically, um, Mike Mike Tyson speaks about how he really made him who he was. Um, I listened to a podcast with him recently on Rogan, and um, he says he thinks about him almost every day. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, he's talked about like some of the different aspects of their relationship, but he still talks about how he thinks about him every day and how he shaped him to who he was. And it's interesting how Cuss came into his life and. How Mike became what he is. Yeah. What a fascinating individual. Yeah. You see those sparring videos of him recently? I sure have. I sure have. Yeah. Are we kidding? What a specimen. Yeah. I yeah. mean, just what a just inspiring thing. I mean, everyone's on Instagram trying to inspire and say what they can and and give their two cents, but just him hitting the mitts. How old is how old is he now? Fifty four, maybe. I always knew he was yeah, terrifying. Like about four or five years older than terrifying. Me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, not in the greatest of shape, you know, right now. Um, and, of course, you know, he's the baddest man on the planet. You know, he's still Mike Tyson. So totally. just seeing him, you know, in his ferocity is just, you know, a treat for anybody. But um, but he's 54 still. You know, this is an exhibition. He yeah. just wants to get in the ring again. You know, when you... Again, like we mentioned earlier, you feel the energy of the pinnacle of your life. You're going to always want to taste that again. Uh-huh. Mike's a fighter. Yeah. He need, you know, like he knows how to do it. And it, he's different now too. Yeah, and he, his mind is different totally now. He, you can tell he's like he's on that he's got that edge to him a little bit different. One of the things I was always fascinated listening to him on like hot boxing and sure. things like that. Yeah, his podcast, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was just so cool to see him have like this very balanced perspective on things it, it coming from like what he was he was just such a tenacious fighter and just such a ruthless man you mm-hmm. know he's just terrifying he was trained like that yeah and to see him put all those demons away and like and just kind of be like, kind of step into himself and uh, analyze his life and they're not away they're not, <laughs> they're but, not but they're away. back yeah they are back yeah. and to see him kind of you know be back on talking and and he's just different you can tell he's Woo! he's he's getting amped up he's talking with rogan and he's really psyched about things and it's it's just different with him now he you is. can tell he's got this different edge and he's ready to go um do you ever feel that you ever get like those little blips of moments? Of, like, when, remember when you're a fighter and you get that like that energy, that 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 like you just 
You're nothing ready. like it. You're amping. There's nothing like it. You still get it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I still get it in, in other ways, you know, because yeah. you you search for it and you try to make it happen in other ways, you know? Like when I do lectures, I think of it like that in a way. You know, I do a lot of lectures, whether it's in China, whether it's in, at schools and whether, you know, things like that. How, and I, How many people are usually at something like this? I mean, it ranges. Sometimes it could be like five and I've worked and spoke to people like I got a TEDx that there's like 500. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it really like it, it, it doesn't matter to me. And it really just depends on the, you know, the forum. But it's still the buildup, the intensity of having to put yourself out there, the energy to show and explain sure. yeah. with, with enthusiasm brings you to a height and then there's like you know a drop there's a fall yeah and similar yeah. to you know sport and competition there's this you know this slow um crescendo so to say you right. know of a, of a rise and fall and what else is that's the sine curve of life right right i yeah. mean it, you know so i look at it like that that's just normal you know that to go up and down like that so after you wrote the book um it was received well i assume menza menza yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you're putting it together and it's it's hard to have not your own perspective and try to just paint the narrative of what was. Yeah. Or just, you know, when I research stuff and put things together my own way, some people didn't like it. Right. You know, and when I said certain things or shaped, you know, uh, you know, when you hear 10 people tell the story one way, you get an idea of the general idea of the story. And some people don't like things to be told right so i've had i had death threats actually no i had way. somebody say hey we know you're you work on 23rd street you know you better watch your back that stuff like that you know um did that end there no I, then i had a couple of like phone calls like uh you know who do you think you are you're a jew boy from long island what do you know about the damato family you know like stuff like that so for a second, I breathed it in and was a little scared, no doubt about it. Yeah, but I said, you know what? I'm like, I know internally I'm doing this for such a good reason. I want this guy to never be forgotten. Right. You know, and it was. You know, Floyd Patterson, no one talked about anymore. You know, Jose Torres, people don't even know. Even young boxers that I work with to this day don't even know that right. name. And his style, the peekaboo style that Cuss invented was so fucking amazing that there's only a few people left out there that truly know it from beginning to end. So I just don't want it to die. And, and I know that by doing this, it's at least one person that's making sure that that doesn't happen. And if that's it, so be it. I'll yeah. take it from there. So I, I got scared. But then after a while, I knew in depth in my heart I was doing this for the right reasons. And that will eventually shine. Have, have, you, have people taken on past where you've written the book so you wrote the book have people kind of yeah bridged off of that yeah i had um larry sloman a really famous author um he came over and i kind of shared all my research with him you know and he wrote he was writing a book with mike um so they were putting a book together themselves not about cuss but really more about mike Mm. my book was really about cuss you know like when i spoke to mike about it you know me and mike would talk about all the old cuss stories you know um, but Larry, you know, Sloman really wrote another book and uh, it was great, you know, absolutely great. But I shared a lot of my information. I went into my archives. I actually went into my storage shed where I have like chests of stuff, um, you know, old pictures that I have the rights to old photography. Yeah. So many great things. And that right there, actually, that's not an audio book. That CD is an actual CD of cuss training. So 
Cuss was training fighters with a CD that he put out there. Wow. So Mike, Mike trained to that. Floyd Patterson trained to that exact CD. Jose Torres and so many other unsung amazing men and women that you know came across Cuss. Um, that's funny. I, when I say women, Cuss only trained one woman in his life. This girl named Nadia, really, really nice woman. But mostly were, were men that he trained. But right. that's the, that's what they all worked with. That same tape was exactly what Mike heard to learn to throw his first punch. Really? Yeah. So that's all on here. That's all in there. Yeah. You hear literally Cuss's voice telling you, you know, like he, they had a very specific system where numbers related to punches. So he would call out certain numbers on there. He'd be like, 77215! And you would have to know what each number was. You know, one side of the body was even, one side was odd, and, you know, and, and he would call those numbers out. In the and, corner. No, he would actually call it while you were training, but he would also call him out in the corner and other people that worked with him, so the other guy didn't know what you were doing. Totally. Well, it's like, come on, hit him with the jab, come on, and the other guy would hear you. Right, so yeah. now he'd be like, seven, seven, one, you know, and then he would know what that is, right, you know, yeah. and Mike was great at it. You know, I think, you know, Cus really was just so happy to have, you know, his own, so to say, Sonny Liston, but yeah, he, he was happy to have Mike. Mike was the epitome of that peekaboo style. Right. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. That's fascinating. Yeah, it was a fascinating style. Yeah. yeah, I'm interested. Is that CD for me? Yeah, I got you both. Yeah, and okay. there's a shirt. So Cus used to have a gym on 14th Street called the Gramercy Gym. That was his first gym. He combined forces with some other guy to get that gym, and that was just like a, a vintage commemorative T-shirt. This is the shirt. That's like yeah, just a, a vintage T-shirt. I'm, of, I'm in uh, need of a good T-shirt. Yeah, of um, oh, of, that's just awesome. a Gramercy gym, um, and that's what it said on the door, two flights up. And Kush would you know literally listen to people walk up those stairs and know who this guy was before he even walked in the door. You know, so that's the Gramercy gym on 14th Street. This is awesome. Yeah. I appreciate this. Please, my pleasure. This is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm so fascinated by all this stuff. I mean, it's, I feel like a lot of this transitions into everyday life and, um, it's just, it's no accident, huh, that you put this book together and that yeah. your life has kind of led you to this. I don't think so. I don't think it was an accident. I mean, again, trying to be world class at anything, that was what Cus talked about. Right. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was fascinated with his style. He was practicing martial arts and he didn't even know it. Yeah. You know, even Tyson's style, the peekaboo style, is so unorthodox from a regular boxing style with one foot forward and one foot back. You know, if you noticed, Mike was more in like a horse stance. Right. He would square up with you yeah. almost in like a martial arts horse stance so he can get the same strength mm -hmm. and power in both hands. Right. So it was really just interesting. Just yeah. a beast. I mean, besides being a beast, yeah, yeah, he also, you put the beast with the perfect style, yeah. and now you got the best. And that's the ultimate, yeah. And that was Mike, yeah. Mike yeah. was really great at that style, yeah. That's fascinating. I mean, yeah. I, I hope he's going to do good. Yeah, I hope things will, will, will be all right. Because I know he you know, he had neck surgery. His back is pretty banged up. Um, you know. How can he not be? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm interested to see that fight. Yeah, him so, and Roy. Yeah, Roy Jones is a great fighter, no too. No slouch of a man. And he went up to, I think he was a light heavy, but went up to heavyweight to fight... I forget who it was, like Ruiz, and won. So I think that's, you know, you know, Mike is a little thicker but shorter. You know, yeah, but, yeah. But it'll be interesting to see who decides to kind of throw first and yeah. who decides to be serious. Right, you know? for sure. You know. So, I don't know, kind of tying all that together. Yeah. Um, we kind of started with COVID a little bit. Uh, we kind of, we started to talk about things we could do and we kind of got derailed. I just, I have so many things I want to ask you too. Yeah. I feel like we should do more podcasts, honestly, in the future. Sure. Um, I think there's things to dissect and just talk about, but what do you think, 
kind of just a quick synopsis of what people could be doing to better themselves. Not like, you know, on that preachy soapbox, but like, what can people be doing just as far as supplementation? Obviously, we know vitamin D, we know some of the generics, but what are some what is some info we could give some people to kind of take away that right. uh, that maybe we're not maybe we're all sleeping on a little bit? Well, you said it right there, sleep. You know, I, I'm a big proponent of like stop looking for the magic pill. We have so many things that don't cost any money that mm-hmm. we can do that really help everything in your body. Yep. It's there. The gift is there. So, yeah, of course, eating right, that's a whole other chapter, and we can talk about that. And, of course, I could spit little things out at you, but people know They're generally. But really, I mean, sleep, you just said that. I mean, proper sleep and sleep hygiene is fucking crucial. If you don't have good sleep, you're not going to get the right hormones. You're not going to get the, th- the right vitamins turned over in your body. You're not going to have the right metabolic processes to grow and for your brain and spinal cord in your body to work right. So, right. And sleep hygiene, we talk about keeping the room a little cool. Mm-hmm. You should not be hot, you know, watching for lights and stuff like that, minimizing foods that increase, you know, your... Um, your pressure or, you know, caffeine stimulants, things like that. But really, a good solid sleep is important. And, of course, people throw around eight hours. But it could be six hours for some people. I know some surgeons that only need five or six, not even, and they're good, like really good. Yeah. You know, and some people really need ten and nine. But, you know, that could be too much that, we, you know, we think that's a little too much, which gets you into another over groggy state. But, you know, anywhere from that, you know, that six to eight, eight hours is ideal. And it has to be uninterrupted sleep you know that's what not, sedation is not sleep for sure you know people are like yeah i had a great sleep i drank seven beers last night and four shots i'm good yeah that's sedation that's mm-hmm. not true sleep you know and it's not taking a pill either you know so you know sleep i would say is is the new exercise you yeah. know it's so so vitally important to really help ourselves in this time and we all have the time to do it yeah I, I think you're right with that and and that's that's been a big conversation i think that people aren't hearing um, people think that, oh, I don't have time, I, I don't have time to sleep, and um, we all got to be a little bit better at time management, <clears throat> so mm-hmm. we can sleep, ultimately, and yeah, we've all heard that eight hours, um, but I, it doesn't it seem as though just getting to a state of like REM sleep, to where we're actually sleeping, really is kind of the, the crux of it. You know, it's, it's so, so vital. It is. It's so, so vital for your brain, and for memories. And for again, like every organ of your body does its thing in sleep, you know, I mean, it's, it's, we're just starting to truly understand where we go and what goes on with sleep yeah. and what it's doing physiologically. So, I mean, just to, just to spit it out there, you know, that's something that costs nothing. And if you do it right and you research it a little bit, you can really make sure that you have restful sleep. For sure. You know? And the same time all the time, whether it's a weekend or not, you know, if you keep on varying it too much, it'll screw with you. Yeah. You know, and we know what lack of sleep does. It's probably the worst thing you can do to any human being. You know, some of the worst, you know, studies are keeping people in the war up. You know, like what they did with prisoners and right. stuff like that. You keep somebody up, they can't focus, you can't concentrate, it's torture. Yeah. So again, think about the opposite, how much benefit you can get from that. If mm-hmm. it goes negative 1,000, you know what I mean? It goes positive 1,000. So it's just so vital. If there's one thing that's just coming off the top of my head is sleep. The other thing is just really, you know, regular exercise, you know, and it doesn't have to be, got to go to the gym. One sec. Sure. If, before, Please. Just on sleep for a second Please. while we're on it. Getting to the state of REM. Um, I think a lot of people lean on a, a, a you know, a, a sleep aid or a, a sleep assist, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting to that state of REM, maybe a form of Qigong applies 
and getting to that state of rest. Is there a thing of meditation? I know I, for me personally, I do listen to apps. I'll listen to calm. I'll listen to a story or I'll listen to a sound sometimes. Sometimes I do like silence. Um, but is there something that just kind of comes to mind, like a breath, a breath movement that you could do? in that moment that uh, right before you go to bed that maybe helps? Yeah, actually, that's, there's a lot of stuff you could do and breathing is key, you know, no, 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 no doubt about it. Can we maybe just do one even and sure. just talk about one? Yeah, like one of the things that comes to mind when we talk about breathing is I like going with um, the old yogis and the old Tibetan Buddhas and what their, so to say, theory is. And one thing that they try to do is have a ratio of breath of one second or a one to two ratio. It could be a, you know two seconds in, but four seconds out. So what's really important is not only the inhale, but the exhalation has to be double or twice the time as your inhalation. Mm -hmm. By doing that, so you take a, a, one, a breath in on one second, but exhale it for two seconds. A deep breath in for four seconds, exhale for eight. The longer you focus on that exhalation, that's what's calming the central nervous system down. That's so, it. So regulating the out. The out. Yep. Slowing down the out really regulates the entire body. Mm -hmm. So that's that, That's one thing. That's one pearl I can tell how, you. How many repetitions of something like that? There's no number. No one will. If anyone ever swears and tells you breath is a number, they're bullshitting you. Yeah. Nobody knows. Everyone's different. It's just you know when your body will calm down, and it's understanding sure. that feeling. And you know it could be. Somebody that practices a lot, I could do it in maybe two or three breaths yep. and really calm myself down. Yeah. Well, somebody else is like, uh, I'm just 25. breathing. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm still thinking about this and fuck this and I still got to go up and pissed off and, yep. and ruminating about something else. So it really depends. You know, it's like training. You know, you, you, know, you have the muscle memory. You can get right back into it quicker. Yeah, yeah. And, it, it, and just to, to cap on that for a sec, it's, I, I do a, a, not breathing exercise, but I, I do kind of not a regulated number i just kind of do some breath work wim hof ask if you will sure. right before i go to sleep and it's it really is funny how you can you can harbor an energy going to bed and you can do some breath work and how it just melts away almost as though you're doing a, a hallucinogen interesting have you ever had that in certain ways but I think that sometimes it sounds so esoteric when I hear it just melts away, you know, from hearing it to me. But I understand your feeling. Well, it's like and I've gone through something like that. It's yeah. like you can spend that night tossing and turning and thinking about that conversation you had with somebody that didn't go exactly how you anticipated it. But the answer is in the breath. It's in the breath because when you That's do the breath, because right. a lot of times people will drink and they'll hit that threshold to where they're like, okay, now I'm the social butterfly and I'm not feeling that pain that ex I experienced today. Mm -hmm. But there is, it, it is esoteric in a sense, but at the same time, it's, I do feel that. Like, it's like you do the breath work and all of a sudden you're doing it and you kind of are harboring that like resentment or that thing. And then all of a sudden it just... Huh, you kind of just feel. You let it go. You kind of start you to let ohm. It go. Yeah. You kind of start to like kind of ohm or vibe, but you're kind of like, okay, I can kind of rest. I can just breathe, and now I can just maintain. Now I'm not doing a one four or two four, whatever it may be. You're just letting nature happen yeah. naturally. Yeah, yeah I, think I mean that's that, the goal. You know, nobody wants to have to do three sets of this twenty one. You also totally. want to be able to do it for your own body yeah. and how much you need. So I think you're right over time. But the answer is in the breath. It's in the breath. It is because that's, you know, it's the only thing we can really control that's kind of both sympathetic and parasympathetic in yep. your body. Totally. So that's the bridge. Yep. They, that's why everything to get to there is about breath work. Right. You know, so you're right. And even pain, when people have severe pain <sighs> from cancer, they teach them, mm -hmm. you know, like if you're holding your breath, you hold the pain. Yep. You know, by breathing it out, you're actually letting the metabolic processes of pain go through you. It's crazy. And that's kind of what you're, ex you know, expressing by yeah. letting go, melting away. So, yeah. Well, people don't people like to think of that as pain. You know, you can have a bad 
conversation with somebody and that is a it, you hold a, it it's a micro dose of pain that's right you and hold some, it somebody that's come from broken bones i've broken many broken bones and laying in the dirt with you know broken whatevers and i can just remember just breathing and being like okay this actually isn't so bad i'm broken i know my thing is broken but i'm breathing through it and it's i think it applies to this everyday thing of these yeah. like micro pains that we actually are getting and i think that just doing the breath work i mean myself included i will fight doing the breath work it's like so funny that in my mind, I'm like, I'm not doing breath work. But then I do the breath work and it really does kind of like melt some of these like silly little notions away. I agree. You know? Yeah, um, I, I do. Now I understand totally what you mean. And, and it is, it's letting go. It's really, you know, a catharsis for, for many people, yeah. you know, breathing and, and, you know, letting things, just, you know, you hold your breath is the worst. You yeah. keep your blood pressure up, you keep tension up, you keep muscular tension on. So, you know, breathing is really like, it's all in the breath. Yeah. I think that if there's anything to talk about, it's, yeah. it's really all in the breath it work. Really you know, it's for so many different things, yeah. you know, for so many different things. So then, you know, moving on to basic exercise, yeah. obviously. Um, by the way, I wanted to say thank you for putting together that crash course before I went into that race. Of course. Um, That's easy. Yeah, for those of you guys listening, Scott put together like a crash course for this race that I went and did um, at Travis Pastrana's house. And uh, I was illy prepared, to say the least. And I had about three weeks to get ready for it. And Scott said, well, this is what I can put together for you. And it really did help me. I actually, I did go by it as much as I possibly could. And it was so hard. It was like, to, I had, that was like a gauge for me to realize where I'm really at. Uh, before I would just drop to the ground and do 100 push-ups, no problem. And then I went to go do push-ups. I did 50, and I was gassed. Right, but that's amazing. I was too. gassed, yeah. and then guess how long I was sore for? Yeah, five days. Yeah, five days yeah. of yeah. soreness. Where I was like, did I do damage? Yeah. Now I'm talking about my elbow. It's all damaged, but and now I'm wondering why. <laughs> but you know, um, so basic exercise, obviously fundamental movement. Um, I try to keep it simple. Like I said, you know, I like to know that free I don't, stuff. I don't have to go anywhere. This doesn't cost any money, everybody. This yeah. is really, you got this. You know what I mean? There's no snake oil, first of all. No, no. And, and there's no magic movement or no magic answer yeah. or no magic exercise. It's what you like. It's yeah. whatever you're going to do. You know, that's what I tell people because there are so many beautiful things out there. Just like we tried the other day, polo. How sore and how were you cool after that? that? Yeah, I, not only was I a little sore, I slipped getting out of the shower on this bath mat that my <laughs> girlfriend happened to put there, and I pulled my groin. No, so I was way. like sore for like a week after that. So meanwhile, you survive. I a survived horse with a stick, but I did not survive the mat in the shower. It's unbelievable how often that actually happens. Yeah, yeah, it like literally slipped out, and I just pulled it right back oh. in, and I was like. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. You know, I'm wrapping it and doing a hip spike, uh, you know, and everything I know on it and yeah. put it in my biofreeze. But, uh, but I, you know, just love trying new sports and stuff like that. And I'm not well-versed, but just the idea of the awareness of the body and the technique. That guy was phenomenal, an instructor. He really gave us some good instruction. Really great instruction. People were definitely not listening the best. and uh, But they had a lot of information to give us. And, you know, people look at polo as like this very kind of schlocky event that people... It's a very aristocratic event. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, you know, the white isn't for some... It's because you don't want to distract the horse's eyes. Like, that to me was, like, so logical. Yes. You know, to not have everybody wearing, like, checkered and flame shirts or something ridiculous, right. which I, obviously they right. never would. But right, you do that in something else. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but just even getting back on a horse and riding and galloping and smacking the ball, even right. getting one of those right. was so rewarding. Exactly. Honestly, exactly. and I did pull my back out doing it, but it was worth it. And I'm not talking about going to have to do that like right. we're not talking about going to play polo for sure we're not bringing it back it's the whole point is that it's like throwing a frisbee 
it's so many things you could do, you know, like working on your flexibility. You know, like I like to think simple. The components of fitness. That's no, we, all you we, need to we, do. We, we do sound the worst. Like a polo. <laughs> right, right. And it's, that's, but, and but that's yes, not what you need. Let's definitely dial you know, back to like, what it is. Yeah, we do that. I do that for like experiment. That was a once-in-a-lifetime once thing. We do not have an opportunity, just to be clear. Sure, yeah. You know, we're not polo people by any means. No, we're, we're we, we are both up. the right size for polo, which is, is okay. I just, again, what I'm appreciating is that there's a whole world around the technique totally. and the sport of not only riding the horse, but, you know, I'm always riding the horse and holding on with both hands. Now yeah. you hold on with one hand and you got to swing. Yeah. It's not easy. It's you know? not easy. You know, and it just, the point is, is, is the intricacies and the appreciation of a new sport yep. is great. And if you have the ability to go do that, awesome. But what we're talking about here is not needing anything. Yeah. You want to better yourself? It's proper sleep. Think about the five components of fitness. Flexibility. Your body composition is important. Aerobic fitness. And then your muscle strength and endurance. Mm -hmm. That's it. You do something that attaches, attacks all that throughout the day or every other day, you're good. Yeah. And it's cumulative exercise. People think you have to kick your ass in one session, and it's not about that. It's building it up. You yeah. know. So, like, I know people that'll do... A good friend of mine is like, Scott, I do, like, 30 push-ups in the morning, 30 in the afternoon, 30 in the... That's great because it's cumulative. So yeah. you don't need one bout. And yep. beat yourself up so you can't walk for five days. Mm -hmm. Some people will never do it again. Yeah. So if I think about those things and, you know, watching your body composition is like watching your food intake. You know, and we could always talk specifics about exercise because that's a whole other podcast. But really just keeping your idea of aerobic work, doing something, go for a walk, get your heart pumping, your lungs moving. Move. You know, Yeah, move. You know, and there's so many great movements out there. Dance and, you know, jumping jacks. And, dance is back. Yeah, it is. When was the last time you actually, you know, do you, would you take a dance class? I actually, when I was in the city pre-COVID, I did 20 lessons at Alvin Ailey. What is that? Alvin Ailey is an amazing dance troupe in Manhattan based um, a black-based dance troupe, and they're fascinating. But they held classes for punks like me, who just want to try. Yeah. So I remember buying a pack of 20 at one time. I think I gave somebody as a gift 10, so I had 10. And I did, like, a tap, ballet, jazz, hip-hop. So it's all-encompassing. Yeah, like each class was a different thing. I mean, the hip-hop, everyone at the end of class, like, claps, and you have to go in the middle, and you're yes. like, yeah, and you gotta <laughs> do whatever, you know? Like... And it's free enough that. that people don't care. Yeah. You know, so I love that. And I love, like, the intricacies of ballet. I mm -hmm. love trying new things. She's like, nope, point like this. Nope, turn it out. Nope, stop that. That's that's, that's athletic. No Get your athletic butt out of here. Yeah. This, so I just like, and again, I'm a student for life, you know. Yeah. And so I love being told, you're doing this wrong. Get this better. Fine-tune this. Come on, kids. You're not doing it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm good with stuff like totally. that. You know what I mean? So, you know, when I, like, did that dance was, you know, tap. I actually loved tap so much. I thought I was Savion Glover, and I bought a <laughs> pair of tap shoes. Did you? Yeah. And I'd, like, I actually, you know, I don't bust it out all the time, only when no one's around. But, yeah, I could still do the moves that we learned to this one song, you yeah. know. And, it's, again, it's movement. It's, and it makes you happy and you smile and I don't feel like I'm exercising definitely that's what's good to do well and you're getting rhythm with tap no? yeah because you're doing it to the music of course yeah. yeah yeah and you're connecting to sound waves I mean we can go crazy and talk about For that sure. but yeah the music and the sound that you're emanating of your feet and getting back to it's you it's awesome it's amazing it's amazing out there so I, I, I will try almost any sport any body expression anytime at least once yeah no maybe know? we should do some uh, some some winter dance if for, for winter months we should get some dance classes out here it's cool yeah there's a lot of stuff that you can do out here you'd be yeah. surprised you know yeah. i have a good friend of mine i just worked with uh um back in the city who's been doing tango 30 years him and his wife they do tango i mean they're like 
That's how you keep a relationship strong right there. Yeah, and, he, and he's having shoulder problems by holding it out. He's like, whenever I hold my shoulder out like this in this position, so what's going on yeah, here? And yeah. I can't tango, Scott. Yeah. Help me out. Yeah. You know? So uh, yeah, it's fun. And the PT part of that, you know, helping people with other sports is a treat. You know, it's like tango. I'm not a tango specialist, but I know the body. And I know so what this learned. position is. So I get to learn the sports through other people that's because I know the, the tool they're using. Yeah. I don't know the sport they're using. That's, yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah, because yeah, you are. You're, 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 you're hearing all these different things and facets of, of what is causing pain to certain people. Yeah. And I assume that you know, being in the position that you're in, people do come to you for these times to, like, to understand what they can be doing. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you can share some of that with us and, and what we like what what people can do because you know I think people are stuck and, and thinking that they you know oh the gyms are closed or this or that but it's it's really interesting to see that people are kind of starting to find what they're passionate about a little bit mm-hmm. and you know maybe you don't even need to be you know passionate about it I've been slacklining lately which is That's so so Colorado yeah um, but you know what like it, I sucked so bad at it before. And I would fall off of it. And I actually crashed on it really hard a couple of times. Like they're like full on like dirt bike crashes, honestly. Uh, you know, because you you don't want to fall. Right. You, you want to just you want to stay on. So it like kind of becomes like an ego thing where you want to you want to like you want to conquer the thing. Of course. Um, but it's so mental. So while you're doing it, but it's like really targeting your obliques. So you're like you're just trying to stay on it. All those like micro stabilization muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been just slacklining, honestly, just trying to just do the things because I really haven't been able to just like do full exercise. I've been limited by injuries. I've had broken ribs pretty much all summer, and now I've got this elbow thing. So being somebody that is kind of limited to the injury, I've been just trying to do certain things. Um, that you can. That I can, but also yeah. it's just nice to hear, you know, just even to be reminded to that breath, that breath work is good for you. Yeah, and, and that, the basics. And, and, that, and that's going to the gym. Yeah, and the basics will always be around, Brett, even yeah. in the martial arts, yeah. you know. You could do your jump spinning flying kicks or the, the, the best lock, you know, mm-hmm. in jujitsu and get somebody, you know, it, it just... It really comes down. You got your basics good. You always rely on your basics. You know, yeah. you know, and that's a that's a real good key. You know, so yeah. I try to. Yeah, I always try to come back to that. And I'm yeah. sure you know that in writing too, is you know the basics of the basics, like the alphabet. You know, you totally. can make beautiful sentences and amazing poetry, but it still starts with an A and a B and a C. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, you're right about that. And even when I do go ride, it's like it's nice to go. You know crush motos and, and go hit big jumps but the, I find myself a lot of times just going and doing stand-up motos or doing braking drills mm-hmm. or just trying to like just be well versed on the bike because I really don't ride that much anymore to be honest and mm-hmm. so when I do go ride I like have this muscle memory of what it was like and so I try to go as fast as I once was going and that's when injuries can sue every yeah. time it just never fails if right. there's if there's anything that's guaranteed it's that yeah um, well I'll tell you something that somebody told me you know they're like if you water your sport down properly and not let your ego get in your way, whatever sport you have, you can do it for the rest of your life. I think so. Yeah, and I believed him when he said that. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? So you don't do it. So you're not doing you know, the biggest jumps, but you can get on your bike and get the same feeling that mm-hmm. you felt. You know what I mean? Or get it close to it. You yeah. know, you know, it's, it's going to be different, but you have to accept that at least you're doing it. Yeah, you know? so, no, I, think, you know. I think you're right with that. And it, a lot of people, I think, they, they think they become too old for things. Um, and you want to do it the way you used to, and if you can't, then your ego's hurt. Of course, you know. I think that's I think that's a huge a huge thing, yeah. and that's something that we we all should be working on in some regard, and myself included. I think that that's like a, that's been one of the things I've like grappled with the most is like not being able to go out and, and be as fast as I was, and um, I think that's like what a lot of people do, and then eventually they, they stop. I've, I've I've seen a lot of people make the excuse to say, "Well, I'm getting too old, and I I have responsibilities now," and 
trust me, I get it. Yeah. I, I run my business. I, I run, you know, my life and, and I'm not trying to be hurt, you know, but right. ultimately I love that aspect of life that, that there's nothing like it. You know, it's probably similar for some of the martial art as- aspects of throwing a perfect kick or being like in that moment of like, that's where I experience flow state. Yeah. You know, when I'm like really engaged man and machine on a bike, hitting a big jump, throwing a nice whip, hitting right. corners perfectly. It's just, it's drugs. But I don't like getting upset when I look up and I throw the kick up there and it only goes here. <laughs> that's, you know, that's like when you got to yeah. say, hey, you're still doing it. Yeah, though. you're still you're, doing you're it. You're still doing it. And yeah. again, that's what I mean by watering it down is like, you're not going to have that same, For sure. you know, feeling. But yeah. if you could do something that's similar to just get a little taste of it, then that, totally. that could keep you going, you know. Some, I'll tell you something that was really interesting that I experienced lately is um, when we went to Travis's house, um, I met this guy named Phil. And uh, he's a guy that was quadriplegic. He had overshot a jump by, I mean, it looked like 100 feet. He came down crashing and, and became a quadriplegic. And I've been following his story since day one once he's on Instagram. Super gnarly. I never even met the guy. Uh, watching his stories, literally getting teared up sometimes. Being like, holy shit, here's this guy that was just super... Top of his game, yeah. Just... Uh, inspiration to just before this even happened you know just a guy that's super charismatic super happy super smiley um extremely talented and to see this happen uh it i don't know it really it, it kind of hit me because like we kind of scroll through instagram and we don't really like nothing really sticks you know it's like ah whoa we saw a bum fight right whoa someone got hit by a car like unlike like whoa like heart, someone no girl's butt like right. all these things and it's like it's just nothing sticks we're, be, we're building ourselves to be so numb but this stuck with me like huge like, i literally was like sitting here by myself just like dude this like i feel so gnarly for this like this is i feel like a lot so he was at travis's house and he was riding a motorcycle he was racing with us and this guy has shown his day, day, I remember update one or, you know, whatever it was, update 200. It's like, I mean, I'm not even sure what day it's on now, but he's still doing updates. And the guy was there racing his motorcycle with us. He's hanging out. We were telling stories and it's hard to like, even when you meet someone like that, you like want to tell them, dude, ah, right. like you, you, you changed my perspective. Yep. And for me that seeing him and meeting him and just being like, dude, whoa. And his energy is just so good. Yeah. My relationship to that is working with Paralympians. Mm. You know, like when, you know, it's amazing working with the best able-bodied athletes in the world. Yeah. But when you work with the best disabled-bodied athletes in the world, right. you see a different mindset. That must have been pretty I mean, I, I used to be so scared at the beginning, you know. I mean, I would hear comments, you know, working with, uh, you know, disabled hockey, you know. I'd say, you know, nervous. Hey, guys, can I get you anything? Is there anything I can do for you? You know, as the athletic trainer and sports medicine guy there, I wanted to get anything I can for them. And one of the guys was like, yeah, get me a new fucking pair of legs. You know, and like you hear stuff like that. And the first day, I just shut the fuck up. And I just kept to myself. And I just did what I was supposed to do. And after a while, I was busting back on them after two weeks. And they appreciated it. And they were appreciating that I was open. But I mean, you know, the first time you learn to wrap a stump of somebody that was an amputee, there are emotions that go on. And you ha- you can't not but think, oh my God, what if this is me? And that's kind of, I think, what you were leading to yeah. also. Yeah. It's like, wow, I, this is my sport and this person was injured. Oh my God, what, yeah. how does this how does this happen? You know, And what if it happens to me? For sure, all, all of that. It's scary. It's so scary, man. I mean, but it was, it was such an eye-opener to just 
that here I am, for one, getting to go do that experience and do that whole thing at Travis's house was just such a milestone of life and just experience. I can imagine. I, I, I talk about just, you know, high energy things, opening ceremonies, hanging out with Travis and that whole crew is super high energy, and maybe not with all the, the people, but just the things and the, the mentality yeah. of life and how they how they view life. and um, But yeah, just be there doing it. Just and be, being one of the best in the world at it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember I had tons of friends going up to Woodward, you know, like totally. some some of the girls would go to gymnastics side, some of the guys would go to the riding side, yeah, you yeah. know, and BMX was huge, mm-hmm. you know, but, but yeah, I think just, you know, being around the sport, there's a lot that could happen in any sport and there are a lot of dangers that could happen in sport, you know, and it's see it's nice to see people persevere you know like when i see these you know u.s sailors that are you know disabled yeah. and they're pulling lines and with their teeth and sheets with their teeth and you know and it's because they don't have hands or arms yeah. you know what i mean it's incredible what people bounce back from yeah you know? we, are, we are super resilient yeah as soft as we are in our, our little bodies we we really are resilient yeah. in, our, in our minds yeah so i just just last like not lastly but sure. just to kind of touch on supplementation a little bit sure i know not everyone can afford supplements and um i think that there is some conversation there of of things that people can do i personally have been taking a few things but like i just am curious is there is it necessary is it something that people should be doing is or is it is it worth toying with like where is it it's a a multi-billion dollar industry that's unregulated it's the wild west you know you know, with a really solid diet, with really good food, whatever the amount of calories is, you can probably do that all with good, solid food. So yeah. I'm not, uh, I just, as an educated man, I'm not a big supplement guy. Yeah. Supplements are when you cannot or you don't have the ability to have that meal and you need something. Don't we think that maybe that's a lot of people? Because I think a lot of people are getting their fruits and vegetables from Walmart. Then what's wrong with that? Well, I, I don't know. Maybe they're not getting the best fruits and vegetables from there. But they still have the basics of what you need in there. And, you know, everybody needs a certain vitamin C. Everyone needs a certain... And once you hit the the daily amount, you're good. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, they could be richer. You know, yes, they could be more in color, you know, but it's not that you're not getting it from it. Right. You know, that's the thing. And, yeah, if you really have a shitty diet and you're not eating any protein whatsoever, or, you know, you have a shitty diet, you don't have any, you know, B vitamins, or you have no vegetables, then you have to do something to balance that out. No doubt. But there's not something that I can recommend to you that, hey, you don't have any veggies, have this veggie product. Right. Because it's just going to be a powder of veggie that it might be just easier for you that's just, you know, all put together and packaged in a different way. Yeah, understood. You and, know? But what about something like, you know, vitamin D and B12 and um, iron and things like that? Well, you have to t- check if it's necessary. Okay. Most people, it's not so necessary. You, so what do you think? Getting blood work done and Absolutely. Seeing, seeing where you land? Yeah, meaning like don't broke if it, don't if it's not fi- don't fix it if it's not broken. Right. Meaning, and, and the body is amazing. At, at, if you don't have something, it'll break something else down and mm. turn it into it. So very rarely do people have huge deficiencies very rarely you know and, and, and if it's if they do it's known but yes my first from a science standpoint do your testing first see what goes on in your body see what you really need see where you're at then make a decision if you need to supplement that right or before you supplement on a product that you buy see if you can do it with other foods mm-hmm. first so so people pretty much everyone has access to being getting able getting their blood work done 
Yeah, you should be. People should have access to getting their blood work done. What if people don't have their like health insurance or something? Is there? Is you can there... pay out of pocket for it. Okay. Yeah, you can go to places and pay out of pocket yeah. for it. Um, I'm sure there are some kits online. I don't know how to trust them, you know, but I'm sure this day and age, a couple clicks and you get something to your house. What, it's, like a finger prick? Uh, who knows? I, I know people like they do saliva and urine they're sending to different places, but okay, you know, that's interesting. but I don't know, you know, what goes on, but I know that there are, I'm sure places out there that might do something similar to that. You do a little finger prick, you put, you put it in a little you know, glass and I'm just making this up and you send it to them. Right. I just would not be surprised is what I'm saying if that's out there. But the more important premise is just because Bob looks good or, you know, Jennifer is hot and she's taking B12 doesn't mean that Scott here needs it. You right, know what I mean? Totally. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, somebody else needs it. So I'm a very big proponent of do your testing first. In fitness, same thing. What's your body composition? Uh, you, do you need to help with that? What's your aerobic capacity? What's your VO2? Do you need help with that? Right, if yeah. you do, let's work on it. Yeah. You know, and what's your goal? You know, but just to randomly take supplements and you're not training for anything and you just kind of, you know, are out there, it's a, it could be a waste of money or expensive urine, some people say. But, you know, if you do your tests and you, you don't... Kinda, you piss out 70% of, yeah. of a vitamin, isn't yeah. that correct? Yeah, well, you have, you know, vitamins that are, you know, water-soluble and fat-soluble vitamins. And some stay in your fat and some just get pissed out. Yeah. So, yeah, the ones you get pissed out get pissed out. But the point is that you just... You need to know, yes, 80 to 90% of Americans are vitamin D deficient. Yeah. Yes, I would go out of my way to take a vitamin D. You know, no, so that's a good call. Yeah, if not, I go out in the city. I, I go out it in the sun hurt. for 20 minutes. It can't hurt, though. It can't hurt, but why not go out into the sun, get your exercise in, and get the vitamin D naturally by the sun if you have the ability to. I, if you do. If you have if the you ability do. to. I think yeah. I, it's, it's been crazy because I, I often have said that, and I, I talked to a couple of people in New York City, and, and this girl, she gets to work before the sun goes comes up and she goes to work before it goes down. And most people are like that. Yep. And there's your problem. So, But that would be a good moment for someone to take vitamin D. After they do their test and they're sure of it. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. A absolutely. Again, I'm a big proponent is don't start mixing things for no reason. You know, don't start taking things for no reason. Um, people always ask me about proteins and creatines and things like that. And it depends what you're doing. Yeah. You know, what are you doing it for? You know, I mean, we know that you need a certain amount of protein, uh, you know, of grams per kilogram per body weight. Anything after that, you don't need it. Right. So I'm a really, I like doing everything scientifically. Again, I have a master's in exercise science, a doctorate in physical therapy. I do things, you know, in a laboratory. So I kind of try to tweeze as much laboratory and academia into real life but then know that you know there's a give and take for anything for sure you know like people eating the bark of a willow tree for years and getting better and then later we found out it was aspirin you know so sometimes <laughs> is that you, how it was yeah yeah so sometimes people go out of their way anecdotally and have good experiences but then later we catch up science catches up interesting you know uh, we, ha we got to go back to the bark yeah, you know, like the bark of a willow tree, I think, is where aspirin came from. That's insane. So for years, people were like, hey, I'm eating this tree over here. I'm getting better. That's hilarious. Yeah, and and then finally, later when they study it, that's and then they figured it out, you wow. know, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so like things like that happen serendipitously. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess my point was, is like I'm still open to that happening, but I still like the scientific method. Yeah, well, and I think it's interesting being in the medical field with this mind of discipline. Um, it's creating structure. So, like you say, a lot of people, I think, and people I've been hearing lately, it's like, it's so common. Are you taking your vitamin D? Are you doing this? Are All you right. doing that? And it's such a common thing to throw out right now because that's what we hear on whatever media outlet that we listen to. And it's just, it's become this commonality. 
but I think it's I think it's more than that, and I, it's just I think it's interesting to know that about supplements. I've kind of always felt that way. I mean, I, I take a few things, but I'm also out in the sun as well, so um, I, I, it's interesting to hear that. Yeah, it really depends what your goal is. You know, if I was training weightlifting two a days or I had two a day practices and I need my calories, you're yourself. <clears throat> of course, you know. I mean, some people I know could have 30,000 calories in a day. You yeah. know what I mean? So it really depends on what you're doing and what your goal is. But just for the average person listening to a podcast, you probably don't, unless you have a really horrible poor diet, need extra supplementation unless you're really lacking something. Yeah. Um, but really a good diet, mixing it, I just like to say, have colors all over your plate. Don't be so scared of carbs. Carbs are energy. Your brain and spinal cord only focus on carbs, yeah. only run on carbs. So, you know, you need some sort of carbs. And there's so many cycles in the body that if you don't have carbs, it'll turn a protein or a fat into a carb. Yeah, right. So there are so many cycles that your body can create you know, yeah. from it. So, um, yeah, I'm not a big proponent on adding when you don't necessarily need, but yeah. I like adding when you do need. Right. Um as far as stretching and, and things like that. Invaluable. It has to be done every day. Yoga. All the time. Not yoga. I don't care what it's called. Just yoga, stretching. yoga, or anything. Yeah. Again, it's not the label. It's not the, um, it's the basics. Mm -hmm. It's hamstring stretching. Yeah. You want to call it a pigeon? Go call it a pigeon. You know yeah, what I mean? Right, yeah. Whatever it is. You know what I mean? Everybody's going to call that one move something different mm -hmm. in different countries, you know, in different styles. Right. So it's really just getting there. Yeah. Flexibility is longevity of the body. You keep your joints and your muscles fluid. You usually have less pressure on your joints when you have less weight. Too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. I mean, I've been realizing how unflexible I've become, and and I stretch quite often. Honestly, it's not daily. Um, I would say it's every like third day. I'll mm -hmm. really just get into stretching, but then but I'm I'm such a meathead with things. Sometimes I get into stretching, and then I'm just pushing, and I'm just I push through things, but I'm right. not trying to hurt myself. I know the aspect that I could hurt myself, but uh, um, stretching is about duration, not intensity. Right. And that's what people forget. Right. Exercise is about intensity, mm -hmm. not duration. Yeah. You know, but stretching, you want to find where you can hold it and really hang out there for two minutes. Yeah. If you can't do it for two minutes and you're like, oh, it's killing me 10 seconds, 11. That's yeah. not doing anything yeah, yeah, yeah. for your resting length. Yeah. You're not going to change the resting length of your muscle. You'll only do it temporarily. It's right. not going to stick. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've been finding a lot of just like just getting into a position and just laying there. That's it. That's minutes. What it, that's what it is. Minutes. That's what it's about. Just when minutes. I see the people in USA Gymnastics and USA Judo stretch, that's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And you just collapse into it. They call, yeah. And then you slowly, I mean, down to the point where I'm relaxing my tongue. Right. Yeah. Like I'm laying in, in pigeon, if you yep. will, and relaxing my shoulders to my cheeks, to my eyelids, to my tongue. Absolutely. You know, to Absolutely. just really like. They each have a position. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, if you don't, I, I feel like if I don't do that, I'm holding attention in a weird spot that I'm not being cognizant of. I agree. You know? I agree. Um, some of your heroes that you had in your life. You know, like I said, Houdini, Bruce Lee, and Cuss were really my three things. You know, three people: magic, martial arts, and medicine are my life. So with, that's it. You know? So, so with uh, with COVID, have you been practicing up on any magic? Yeah, I, yeah, and I've been practicing something new. I could probably show you if you don't mind I being one that. of the first couple of people that I've I done it to. I would love that. I would love that. Cool. I'll, um, you mind me showing you right now? I would. I think that's perfect. Cool. So I have you know what we call my little bag of tricks. You know, I, I didn't know what I was going to do, and you know, sometimes as I progress through something you know like this i kind of changed my mind and you right. know i kind of last minute it so i think um out of the handful of stuff that i brought i think i'm going to show you something i call the lock deck mm -hmm. and i'll show you why i kind of like it you know this is about like fast movements you know and people know hey scott you're in the martial arts whatnot and you know i see how fast you can move but this is a good demonstration of the speed of movement and yeah. i think you'll appreciate it so 
this is a deck of cards, but what's cool is... Can you show the camera too? Yeah, and do you mind if I stand up? I don't. Don't do it. Do your thing. Yeah, do you mind if I just stand up and look at this with that? What, what got you into magic? What aspect is it? Is it mentality and, and mental? It's the practice. The practice. It's just the never-ending practice to make perfection. Yeah. You know, I think that the Japanese have a word for that, you know, but it's, it's something about... I like just sitting there and constantly practicing until you master it. You know what I mean? There's something beautiful about that, I think. You For know? sure. You know, I don't care. Again, I don't care what it is, but this just happens to be what I like. Yeah. So it gives me more excitement. Definitely. But <clears throat> I started, I think I was seven years old. My mom and dad took me to FAO Schwarz in Manhattan. It was a big toy store. You know, the one that was in the big movie with the piano that, they oh, danced, amazing. that Tom Hanks okay. danced, on, danced on. And they couldn't find me, they said. Two hours. Couldn't find me. Thought they lost me. There was a guy named David Roth, an amazing magician. Um, took a couple of lessons with him over the years, but he was the magician, the house magician at FAO Schwartz. And I, after I saw him perform, that was it. It was over. Yeah. I was hooked, and everything else was like, "Mom, get me this. Mom, I want a magic set. Mom, I want right. to do this. Hey, I want to take lessons. I want you know." So it just you know spawned, and I really became a, a student of magic. You know, from seven to fifty, you know, forty nine. You know, I'm going to be fifty this year. Yeah. I really, you know, had instructors and went to camps and hung out at like the you know the places that you know the professionals did. And you know, I was just this kid had hung around right. and I picked up so many good things. Just and, a sponge. You know, was able to meet you know Blaine and Copperfield and so many you know famous magicians along the way. It was really a treat. You know, I used to go up to the Raleigh or Kutch they used to have like conventions so so basically what's cool about this like again this is a regular lock you inspected it you know that, again normal lock it's yep. a key lock there are combination locks whatever and again what's cool about this deck is that it has a little hole in it and the whole idea is for me to lock the deck so I can't steal any cards I can't do any magic that's the whole idea right. so for, and again I could have you pick a card and do different things but just say stop anywhere in the yeah stop Okay, remember that. It doesn't matter if I see it. I just want you to remember that card, okay? Now, what I'll, you know, right away, just so you didn't see anything, lock it up for me. What do you mean? Take the lock, lock the, and put lock it the, there. Lock the deck? Yeah. Like, again, you didn't see any fast moves, right? No, I didn't see any fast moves. Take the key. Is it locked? Come on, you got to figure it out. If you're going to do it, you got to lock it on me, right? right it is now, locked. Now, again, is it really locked? I'm going to eat the key now. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's another trick where we fish it out with a hanger. <laughs> but, I mean, it's in there. No magic happened. No fast movements, right? right. You picked a, you, you got a card. I want you to watch if you see this. One, two, three. Didn't see it, right? No, I didn't see anything. Now, I want you to literally open it right away. So, okay, put the key in. I'm unlocking. And for, and for the first time, out loud, what card did you choose? Four of diamonds. Okay, the four of diamonds. So I'm just going to look through the card. When you see it, just take it. Just take it out and slide it to you. And again, you could have picked any card. You know, again, it's a full deck. But when you see the four of diamonds, I just want you to take it. Wait a second. Let me show it to you one more time. <laughs> Do you mind if I show you one more time? I, and again, just take it if, if, if really. <laughs> I'll go a little slower, just so you can see. Again, you see the hole. You know. Yeah. Voodoo cards. No, I mean there's a real, you know, a regular deck. It just has a hole punched through it. Again, not the four of heart. Yeah. Okay. So it, it is not for you, those of you listening. It is no longer in the deck. Wait a second. Now, and it was in the, it was locked, and it was in the middle of the deck. Now you didn't see me go 
any fast movements to my pocket, right? No. Like I touched the table. You I did know touch I, the table. I did you, touch the table. Did slide, I admit that. But watch. In my pocket, I have my old-fashioned wallet. You know, I mean, I swear, this is the wallet I use every day. I have my money in here. But I always keep a card. It's a special card because it always gets me out of a lot of trouble. So if I dig into my wallet, you'll see I do have one card here, and it just happens to be <laughs> your four diamonds. I like that. So I mean, I could keep you going like all day That's long amazing. with stuff tricks, but this was just something that I've been practicing I recently. I really like that. Um, yeah, called the lock deck, and it's you know it's funny because a lot of times when I get cards, there you know besides having a hole, a lot of them will be you know in somebody's junk drawer. You know, like they're messed up like this. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Like somebody and hammered. Yeah, like literally, it's like you know, like a mess. You it's know? a this disaster. Yeah. yeah, like this is the way I usually like when people are like, come on, Scott, do some magic. You know, I'll get something like this. It's like a me- like a you know, <laughs> and it's like there's a rubber band in the junk drawer. Yeah, totally. And then I look and I'm like, yeah, some are face up, some are back to back. I'm like, all right, I, I know how to do some magic. You know, I usually will do something like this for people. Like, just try to put it back together as good as I can. You know, it takes me a while because right now they're expecting to see some magic, right? And I'm like, all right, yeah, I, I know how to do some magic. Give me one second. <laughs> you know, I'm still trying to put it back together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this. But I figured out something kind of cool. I think you'll like this. Let me just get them all back. You see how hard it is to get them back. It's like, Yeah. So basically what I started to do is like, if I'm going to get a deck of cards like that and people are going to mix them up on me, you know, and it's really going to be a mess and I get the, you know, and it doesn't really matter how it's messed up and I really don't care. You know, it's like just a pishpodge. I look and sometimes I'm like, some cards are face down. Hmm. And then I look and I'm like, some cards are face up. Then I'm like, some cards are back to back and I'm like, I don't even know what to do. So I started saying, just put the deck down, Scott. And cast a shadow over it. Forget, I don't care if it's fucked up and messed up. So and, what just, he, and, what he, and what he just did is just flip all the cards. Yeah, that's it. And now if it worked, they should be all lined. Yeah, so now they all go back to normal. <laughs> and that's it. And now they're all perfect. Yeah, so now I'm ready to begin. That is hilarious. Yeah. That so. is hilarious. <laughs> so, so I mean, I could keep you going all so, day. So during quarantine, is this? have you been practicing? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I've been practicing this. I picked up the ukulele. Oh, did so, you? So that's been fun. Yeah, I could damn play it, a you couple. Brought that damn thing. I could play a couple songs for you, but yeah, you know, it's been it's been a treat. Really, it's been a treat, and I like having time. You know, I yeah. do like having the time to myself. You know, yeah. it's some people are scared for that time to themselves. You know, yeah. but I really enjoy it. I have luckily a lot of great hobbies, and I'm kind of self motivated. I could just sit and just practice because I enjoy it. Yeah, you know. No, I, I think that's fascinating. And I can get you going for hours with this. Type oh, you of stuff. got yeah. me hooked already. I'm yeah. gonna go pick up a book tomorrow. Yeah, there's a lot out there, and you know, it's very different this day and age magic than what it used to be. Right. You know, because it used to be like Scott, you you have to go find first the person to teach it to you. Right. Then they tell you where to find it in what book. Then you go to the card catalog, and this library doesn't has it that have it. Then you go to this library. Now you just Google it and YouTube it, and you you got it all. Yeah, you know? someone's, someone's giving you like a full tutorial. Yeah, but it, there was something back in the day be, being mysterious and having to research yeah, it. Yeah, I feel like that takes a little bit of the width of mystique. It's like, yeah. damn them. It does. It a does. A little bit. Yeah, well, because a lot of kids these days will watch something, and because they cognitively see how the trick is done, they think they can do it. Right. You know, but these things take practice. You know, I mean, like, so many things that look so easy. You know, like even, you know, like even doing something like this. Is really, you know, you just take like, you know, one card and put it down. And if you do it right, you just get to go through the table like that. You know? So like, you know, that's practice, man. You know, like I can't, there's no other which way around that. But I like 
that. I can yeah. just sit there and do stuff like that. You know? so, so just for those listening, he literally just put the card on the table and it, it just disappeared. I'm a believer. <laughs> I'm a believer. I'm a fucking believer. <laughs> I'm all in. But yeah, anytime I'll do this stuff for you. Are you kidding me? I love doing magic. Yeah, it's it's really such a passion. And I love the people that are out there. It's great yeah. doing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I th- did you watch uh, David Blaine's Ascension? Where he I haven't there? yet. I it's haven't pretty yet. interesting. Yeah. Pretty cool project. I mean, and just the fact, you know, he went and just, you know, focused on getting into skydiving and preparing for that whole stunt even. Uh, pretty awesome. Well, he also, like Houdini is not only doing traditional sure. magic. Yeah. He's really doing stunts yeah. that are human stunts yeah. that take training. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's holding your breath or whether it's skydiving. Right. Yeah, he's really going out of his way. So I appreciate that in, in, in David Blaine. Yeah, David people. White, we used to call him, yeah. Really? Yeah, that was, I think that's his, it was his real last name, okay. David White, yeah. Um, from Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it, seems it was like a that. place called Tannins. We always used to go hang out at. There's a magic store, and on Saturdays it would close at like three, and then everybody from the magic store would walk down to um, this restaurant, and they would just share tricks. And hey, I'll show you this. You show me that. Hey, I'll do this That's for hilarious. you. Oh, yeah, and we just go back and forth. Then it moved to like a taco place, and then you know, it's, but, it, but there's it, there's a big vast magic field out there yeah yeah and again i like being a student of it you know so it's a treat yeah Yeah. no that's i think that's awesome yeah well dude um i think we covered a fair amount for first situation and i'm very appreciative of your knowledge and you sharing us your story my pleasure um the tricks were fantastic i i i'm just i'm kind of thinking maybe i should like pick something up and try to you know, maybe do a little card trick next time. Well, you got an instructor. You got a good instructor. I would you know? love that. I'd love to learn a card yeah. trick. Yeah, I'll show you that one card trick. trick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone likes to know one joke, one trick. But yeah, there's so many simple things out there. And uh, it's funny, a good friend of mine who does some bartending just asked me, he's like, Scott, I've been doing some bartending and people that's, are asking me to do magic. That's hilarious. He's like, can you put a little kit together for me? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to like hook up my friend Kev and, and hook him up. Dude, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Dude, well, again, thank you so much, Pleasure. Scott. It was awesome talking Easy. with you. Um, yeah. I guess we'll uh, We'll do it again. We'll be back with you guys soon. Sure. Thanks, brother. My pleasure. Yeah, man.